Welcome to our podcast, Multiple Myeloma Morning Commute, BCMA as a Therapeutic Target. Morning Commute is developed in collaboration with At Point of Care and Projects and Knowledge and is part of a continuing medical education series. This independent CME-CE activity is supported by an educational grant from Oncopeptides and Sanofi Genzyme. In this episode, Dr. Robbie Vige and Dr. Thomas Martin discuss the growing excitement around chimeric antigen receptor T-cell, or CAR-T, therapies that target B-cell maturation antigen, or BCMA. Information about the faculty and disclosures can be found at morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash multiple myeloma four. You can use this link to receive your credit and evaluate this program. The URL can also be accessed in the episode notes. Dr. Vige is a professor of medicine in the Division of Medical Oncology at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. Dr. Martin is a professor of medicine in the Division of Hematology Oncology at the University of California, San Francisco. I am Candace Hoffman, Managing Editor of Morning Commute. Dr. Vige will begin our discussion. Hello, my name is Ravi Vige. I'm a professor of medicine at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. Today, I have with me Dr. Thomas Martin from UCSF Medical Center in San Francisco, and we are going to be talking about BCMA as a therapeutic target for multiple myeloma. Belantamab was recently approved for the treatment of multiple myeloma and was the first commercialized therapy for this target. But we have excitement building around the advent of CAR T cells in the near future and bispecifics thereafter. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks, Ravi. Thanks for having me. So we are in the era of antibody drug conjugates for BCMA, but CAR T cells are upon us. So what's your take? Uh, should we be excited? Um, I don't think, Ravi, there's been such a positive time uh, for the treatment of relapsed myeloma than we're in today. We have so many new drugs. And now we have, as you uh, uh, introduced, these class of drugs that target BCMA. Probably the, the most exciting is, uh, in my mind, the chimeric antigen receptor T-cells or the CAR T-cells. And we're about two weeks away for potentially the first approval of CAR-Ts in multiple myeloma, which is in a, you know, it's a really unbelievable event. I would say that my patients are quite excited. My myeloma doctors are quite excited. And really our whole staff here that treat myeloma are excited to launch the BCMA CAR-T era. So it seems like Idacel may be the first one to be approved, and shortly thereafter, we'll have Cytosel approved. Uh, do you have a favorite? Wow, that's a really tough question. So we've heard about um, Idacel or the BB2121 product from the Karma trials, um, and we've heard a variety of presentations um, from the Karma trials. And in heavily pretreated relapsed refractory myeloma patients receiving what will be the FDA approved dose of 400 million cells, you know, there's an overall response rate in the 80 to 85% range. And then a median progression-free survival of 12 months. Now, this is a therapy that my staff likes to say it's one and done. And so this is a very exciting time. Now, 12 months doesn't seem like enough, like it should be more. However, you know, some people go longer and I'll point out that I had a patient come in two weeks ago on her third anniversary from receiving um, BB2121 in one of the clinical trials in the phase two trial, 
and she is still in remission and hasn't had therapy in three years. For her, it's been a life-changing treatment for her. Amazing. That's amazing, I must say. I agree that for a one-time administration, this modality certainly outshines any other. What about the issue of cytokine release syndrome and neurological toxicity with CAR T cells? So when I, for BCMA-targeted agents, when I look at the advantages and, and the disadvantages, that's one of the disadvantages of this product. And it, being that it has to be done in the inpatient setting, and it also has to be done by um, a fact-accredited center. And there's about 70 of those centers across the U.S. So it can't be done in everybody because not everybody can get to the medical center who does the CAR T-cells. So in fact, it, I honestly think it'll be for the minority of patients with relapsed refractory disease. But that said, when we have them in the hospital and we're taking patients through CAR T-cell therapy now, all the nurses know about the CAR T-cell therapy. All the doctors covering overnight know about the CAR T-cell therapy. All the supportive staff, ICU staff, neuro, neuro, neurology staff, emergency room staff, everybody knows about these side effects. A CRS occurs 80 to 90% of the time. In general, it's mild. Fevers, you know, mild hypotension that responds quickly to fluids, um, and it's reversible with therapy. So we give everybody tocilizumab, plus or minus steroids, or other um, agents to dampen the immune response. These are not um, to, be, to be taken lightly. However, in the centers that can do this, we all can treat CRS. We all can treat neurotoxicity. And this is, a, in my mind, a minor problem when we use CAR T-cells. I agree. I think that the incidence of grade 3, 4 neurotoxicity and CRS with BCMA-directed CAR T-cells is certainly uh, less than that has been seen with the CD19-directed commercialized products. Do you think these could be used one day in the outpatient setting? I know some centers are already using uh, these in the outpatient setting in uh, lymphoma, but I agree that most of these are currently being administered in the inpatient setting. Yeah, I think that's a great question and yet to be seen. Uh, we have a second product uh, you mentioned earlier, the Siltacel, the J&J4528 product. Um, which we hope to have approval sometime actually in 2021, maybe in late 2021. And these two products, BB2121 and the J&J4528, differ in the onset of CRS. Uh, with the BB2121, it's usually in the first one to two days. And therefore, we usually do these as an inpatient because they're febrile, um, you know, they could have some other toxicities like neurotoxicity, and a lot of them are neutropenic at the time that they become febrile. So we just leave those patients in the hospital. On contrary, the the JNJ4528, the CRS happens on average about seven days after the infusion of the CAR T cell product. And so I think that lends a, a better possibility of keeping these patients as an outpatient and then admitting them day five, six, seven, eight, nine, whenever they do get their CRS or their fever, then they get admitted and hopefully they'll be admitted for a shorter period of time. So these are things that we're going to find out, I think, over the next year. I agree. I think that uh, at least given current reimbursement models, there is an incentive to give these as an outpatient if possible. So uh, what about bispecifics? I think that uh, they were all the rage last year at the American Society of Hematology meeting we had some data and meetings prior to that, but that meeting, we saw 
ice specifics come out into the open, come of age in a way. So what's uh, the status of bi-specifics today? Yeah, so um, I think our, our excitement about bi-specifics is just as strong as our excitements for cars. And again, in the disadvantages, advantages portfolio, this is an off-the-shelf product, right? And this doesn't have to be done at a fact-accredited center. It can be done anywhere across the country or the world. Um, uh, the, on the downside, patients still need to be admitted for their therapy because in the first dose or two, and many of them do what's called step-up dosing, where they get a small dose and then a little bit larger dose, and then potentially the five, um, the real dose, uh, the what's going to be the t the dose they're going to get ongoing. They can develop um, fevers during that period of time, so they have to be a uh, an inpatient. What I like so much about these is all of these bi-specifics um, that target BCMA, and so one arm anchors itself to the myeloma cell through BCMR, uh, BCMA, and the other arm actually uh, is looking to bind CD3 on the T cell and activate the T cell. Now, these all differ in the binding domain to BCMA and how, how they bind to the myeloma cell. And they also all differ in the way they activate T cells with CD3. Some are low binders or low activity drugs. Some are medium, some are high activity drugs. And so there'll be a different toxicity profiles too. A little less CRS for some, a little less neuro, uh, neurotoxicity for others, a little less fever, et cetera. So these are all different. Despite that they target the same molecules, it's going to be all different. And as you know, at ASH, I, I, I call it the big ones, the three big ones, the teclistamab, showed a response rate of um, about 70%. The AMG um, 701 you know, had a response rate that was over you know, 40 to 50%. Um, and then um, Tineo Bio, uh, a company in South San Francisco, had showed a response rate of 80%, 12 out of 15 patients responded. This is really amazing in the truly relapse refractory setting. So yes, I am so excited about these drugs. You mentioned one of their advantages is that they can be off-the-shelf products, that they can be given in a non-fact-accredited center. Given the CRS and slight uh, signal for neurological toxicity in some patients, do you think these are going to uh, be drugs that may be started out first cycle or two in an academic center and then transition to the uh, community? Or do you think these could be given in the community right from the first cycle on? I do think there are many bi-specific T-cell engagers being tested in all types of cancers, right? So prostate cancer and a lot of the GU cancers, GI cancers, et cetera, and in a lot of blood cancers. You know, I think that these are going to show a positive uh, response, I think, in many cancers. And so I think the community docs, they're going to learn how to use these. There's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of when they're going to be comfortable and when they're their inpatient units are going to be comfortable with taking care of these patients. But I think everybody over time is going to learn how to use these, just like we did with some of the other antibodies like daratumab, et cetera. You know, everybody gives them now. And I think the same thing's going to happen with bispecifics. So you mentioned with CAR T cells that they are going to possibly be applicable to a minority of patients with multiple myeloma. So how are you going to decide between these three modalities that we have today, antibody drug conjugates, bispecifics, and CAR-Ts? Well, at UCSF, we are trying to actually work out our plan of how we're going to allocate these therapeutics to our current patients. For me, I think um, 
the CAR T cell therapy, because it has the potential for this for this one and done uh, phenomenon, there's going to be a lot of patients that are going to want that. And because they're going to need to be in the hospital for seven to 10 days, we're going to target that for potentially the younger population of patients. And when I say younger, I mean less than age 80. And so we're going to target for the younger population or the, the patients that we think we can make the biggest splash and have, a, have them you know, have the best quality of life. In terms of the other two, it's interesting. You know, we have this ADC that binds to BCMA and brings a poison to BCMA. Now that therapeutic doesn't interact with the immune system. And, and so I don't think that actually there'd be any reason to not believe you can use the ADC and then follow it with a CAR or a bi-specific. Um, I think the ADC is going to be really easy um, to give in my mind, um, although there is some ocular toxicity um, associated with that. And then the bi-specifics, again, it's an ongoing therapy that I think patients, they can try ADC if it works, great. If not, they can go bi-specific when it's approved and vice versa. Do you do think that uh, we can get two shots at the BCMA target using two of these modalities in a different line of therapy? Yes, correct. Now, where do you see these moving in, uh, like uh, in the next two to five year time frame? All drugs that we have in myeloma, like in other cancers, get introduced generally in later stages of the disease, but then find applicability in less heavily pretreated patients. Do you think bispecifics and CAR Ts and would move there too? As you know, we, in our field, we take our best drugs and try to push them as close to frontline as possible. Um, you know, when, when Daratumumab came out, it had a 30% single agent response rate. Some of the, and so we moved it up front and now it's, you know, being tested in a lot of frontline trials and approved for use in frontline trials. For these T-cell engagers, the response rate's over that. So, you know, some are over 60, 70, 80%. It's really amazing. And so I think for sure, we're all interested in putting these together with other drugs in the frontline setting. And so combining a T-cell engager with an um, immunomodulatory drug um, like lenalidomide or like um, pomalidomide and early relapse, I think um, would be a great strategy. So yes, we're going to move them to one to three prior lines of therapy, and then we're going to move them to frontline. And I think it's good. These are going to be great drugs for smoldering myeloma. I think moving the bispecifics to smoldering myeloma is going to be a very important therapy. Um, in terms of the CARs, now they're in the relapse refractory setting, you know, we're, and we're collecting T cells that may, maybe these T cells are more exhausted or they're more applicable to exhaustion because they've had seen so many therapies, so many steroids and other therapies to try to you know, eliminate lymphocytes. Um, we want to move the CARs early in line, right? We want to move them to frontline as consolidation after frontline therapy early relapse and one to three prior lines of therapy. I agree. I think like uh, all other treatments that we've had in myeloma, which started their journey in later lines and moved into earlier lines of therapy, these drugs too will get there. And the fact is, as you said, there are reasons why they may be better to get there faster, given the fact that the immune system is more robust and the earlier lines of treatment to avail of the benefits of this class of drugs. Do you think that there are other cellular therapies that too are promising? Any other cellular subtypes? So yeah, so I do think that there's um, a variety of other therapies that are gonna be really interesting, including NK cell therapeutics. So 
There are also strategies to use uh, to augment the effects of macrophages, et cetera. So we're going to um, invoke all the you know various different cell subtypes for therapy. I agree. I think that we're just entering into this uh, interesting era of immunotherapy for multiple myeloma. Certainly, our immunomodulatory drugs we've been using for nearly 20 years now, and they were our first proof that the immune system is powerful in myeloma. And I think we are going to see that our options are going to multiply. So I think that in this uh, era, we have already got an antibody drug conjugate. We are on the verge of seeing the first CAR T cells to be approved and possibly a second within the year. And then perhaps in the next year to two year time frame, bispecifics come into our arsenal. Certainly, these are very exciting times, and we hope that we will have even more to talk about in the future. So thank you very much, Tom, for joining uh, me today to discuss these exciting drugs that we have coming down the pike. And I think we're entering a great era, uh, which will have even more possibilities for our patients. Yeah, really exciting times. Thank you very much, Ravi. Remember, to receive your credit and evaluate this program, please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash multiple myeloma four. For all the episodes in the six-part series, please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash multiple myeloma. Thank you for joining us today.